Hey everybody, what's up? This is going to be, um, I, I guess it's a best of show, but we're doing things a little bit differently this time. Um, what we're going to do is way back in 2015, way back, like it was a long time ago, well for this show it is, we recorded the last interview that we ever did with Joseph Matheny in regards to the whole John Teeter thing. Um, up front, I'm going to let everybody know that if you haven't heard this episode before, when we recorded this, we have, we've had Joseph Matheny on here a couple of times for various different things. And Joseph, um, he said that he was one of the people that was responsible for the whole John Teeter thing. If you don't know about the whole John Teeter thing, we'll talk about it in the show. But uh, we, had, we got him on the show to talk about how he played a part in this whole John Teeter hoax thing. And uh, the episode ran, and when he came on the show, basically we interviewed him via cell phone walking through the woods. He was like, yeah, I'll come on your show, um, which took some teeth pulling. I'll get to that in a second. But he was like, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll come on your show, but I'm just going to be hiking through the woods here. So the audio quality on this show is not fantastic. Both myself and Lobo sound okay, but since we're interviewing somebody on a cell phone basically walking through the woods out in the middle of nowhere, you know, Cut us a little bit of slack on it. So here is the whole thing about the John Teeter Show. Um, if you're one of the older listeners, you've already heard this episode. It's probably been a while since you've heard it. If you're not one of the older listeners, if you're one of the newer ones, here's how the story goes. And for some reason, our Skype conversation disconnected, and there's an audio glitch, and we roll back into it. I don't know. We had uh, Joseph on here to talk about Ong's hat and all of these other things that he was involved in. He was one of the early perpetuators of internet hoaxes and things like that. Um, we, I had known about him being a part of this John Teeter thing for the longest time, and I had been trying to bug him for a while, uh, for a long time. I said, hey, why don't you come on the show? Let's talk about this. And he kept saying, no, I don't want to do this. You're, you're opening up you know, a, a box full of, of trouble here if you, open, if, you, if you have me on your show. And finally, after bugging him for a couple of years, he's like, all right, I'll come on your show and we'll talk about the John Teeter thing. So he came on and he did this interview about his involvement with John Teeter, um, how him and a bunch of other people were the ones that pulled this off. And he called into Coast to Coast. And uh, there is an episode out there on YouTube. Uh, you can if you find I can't remember where it is off the top of my head right now. But it is him. You hear the interview here, you go listen to his voice, you can find the episode of him calling into Coast to Coast saying he's John Teeter and all this stuff. So we did the episode, and then uh, at the end of it, Lobo here goes off on an Alex Jones rant that's pretty funny. <laughs> it's a very end after <laughs> the music. Uh, and then we aired the episode, and that was it. So I thought. Um, and also, jo Joseph told us a lot of stuff off the air that for the life of me, I know this is going to sound stupid, but I just don't remember what it was said anymore. He's like, this has happened, this happened, this person was involved. He didn't mention any names on the air. He did off the air, and he did tell us a bunch of stuff off the air. But we said, no, we're not going to talk about it. We promise we won't. And honestly, I always smack my hand against my lamp. <laughs> I'm talking with my hands right now. Um, we said, no, we're not going to talk about it. And honestly, I've forgotten 95% of the stuff that he told us in addition to what the stuff was that was on the air. So... Personally, I believe his story. I think he actually was one of the people involved with this. I think he did do it. I think he was one of the people that helped perpetuate the hoax. I don't think he was the sole person that did it as, did it as he states. Um, but I will say, since we did this show, I have been contacted by a lot of people, uh, some of them on the show off the air and some of them off the air, saying, um, you know, this guy's done some shady stuff. They've done, he's done some questionable things or whatever. We don't know Joseph that well. I only knew him through a relationship that I had with him through the Internet. So if it does come to light, 
some way or another down the road that he was not involved with the John Teeter thing and that him being involved in the hoax was a hoax, it wouldn't surprise me a whole hell of a lot because he's a trickster. You know, he's one of those people that just does that kind of thing. But I, I do think that he was the one that was part of one of the people that was perpetuating him. Having said all that, once we aired that episode, of all of the shows that we've done, of all of the crazy things that we've covered, of all the topics that we've talked about, I have never received more backlash bullshit than we did in regards to the whole John Teeter thing. I begin to refer to these people as teeter tots. If you are one of them and you hear this and you decide that you want to start harassing myself or Lobo, you can kiss our ass. Good luck. Because <laughs> we really don't care. Um, the only person that I am going to apologize to in all of this is an author named Mike Suave, who wrote a book on the whole John Teeter hoax thing. He was on another podcast, and that particular podcast host um, kind of ripped us to shreds because we were laughing at all of this and we thought it was a joke, which I do, st- I do still believe it's a joke. The idea of somebody going into Coast to Coast chat room and seeing that they were a time traveler from the future and had to come back and get this computer to prevent all this stuff, it's, it's just... I, I'm sorry. If you're if you're a person that believes in it, then don't listen to us. We're not your cup of tea. But this person, uh, Mike Suave, wrote a book about it. And when I was sent that interview, I was really angry because up until that point, I had received all kinds of harassment from people like, "How can you not believe in this?" and "You guys are just stupid skeptics," and uh, which really isn't the case. Everybody should know at this point that we're we're real, we're really in the middle here. And uh, I had some guy bug me on Twitter saying he was John Teeter and came back from the future to stop the other John Teeter. All this craziness ensued. Just batshit nuttiness. Some woman on Facebook was bugging me. Um, Some woman and another person on our Facebook page was bugging me. Just all this stuff went down. And I'm like, really, of all the stuff that we've done, this is what pisses everybody off. All right, whatever. Back to Mike Suave. Mike Suave wrote this book. He was on that show. I was angry uh, at that show's host. And then I messaged Mike Suave on Twitter saying, hey, please do not reference us anymore to this John Teeter thing. We don't want anything to do with this. I was just tired of getting harassed about it, blah, 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 blah. Um, In retrospect, I probably very much came across as a dick to Mike. Um, Mike, if you're out there, I've already apologized to him on Twitter. Um, I'm going to apologize to him publicly right now. I'm really, really sorry if I came across so harshly about that. I really did not mean to be so mean to you, and I'm really, really sorry about it. Because he also went on to Soraya's show, Where Did the Road Go?, gave an interview on there, and uh, he mentioned us on there, and then he stopped and said, oh, I wasn't supposed to mention those guys. Soraya called me up and said, do you want me to edit that out of the show? And I said, yeah, I kind of do, because I don't want to deal with these people anymore. So I I think Soraya did, but Soraya told me, he's like, you know what, Just he's always told me, much like Lobo here, just do what you're going to do, and don't worry about what people think and what have you. Um, So... I felt I've had a lot of time to think about this, and I've always ran away from this episode wanting to have nothing to do with it. The problem is is that a lot of people, from what I understand, good and bad, either both sides of the community, use this show for a reference. I think Mike even used some of this for a reference in his book because he mentions in his book that he interviewed Matheny. And from what I understand, he also believes that Matheny also had something to do with it. So again, I owe Mike an apology again. Um, we started doing this show, even though we're screw, we screw around and we clown around and stuff, we did the show to put stuff out there for people to listen to and have a different perspective on these things. So for me to be like, I don't want to do this and I don't want to put this show up there because I, I caught all this crap from it is really asinine and stupid on my behalf. 
So I've decided to go back and repost the Joseph Matheny interview about John Teeter. Because Skeptical Wiki also pointed to our page, and there was a few other people that pointed to our, our show that we did here as, as a, a source of reference for 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 the lore or what have you. I saw it pop up good and bad in different places throughout the internet. And since the old server's down, they can't go to that episode anymore. So I'm going to repost it. And I really did want to apologize to Mike. So having said all of that, we're going to re-air this show about the whole John Teeter thing. <laughs> Yay! Very long-winded way of me saying all of this. Uh, I've edited out the original intro for the show, so it's just going to pick up from here right into the interview, and that's going to be the last you hear of us for this episode. So again, this was recorded back in 2015. Uh, Joseph's uh, connection is really rough. After this episode aired, uh, Joseph, I believe, was also catching some grief. He went on his former website that he had and said, leave these guys alone, leave me alone. I did the interview, and that was that was done with it. And I haven't heard from Joseph since. I have... No idea what happened to him. I don't know where he's at. Um, I've heard from people that have talked to him, and because we, I wouldn't have mind having him back on here to ask him some more stuff. But I have no idea what happened to him after this. And he, you know, he did warn me repeatedly before he came on. It took a lot of coaxing to get him on here to do this interview, and he was really much adamant. I don't want to come on and talk about this. I don't want to come on and talk about this. And finally, you know, after just bullshitting with him for a while, he said, all right, I'll come on and do it. And sure enough, he was right. We opened up Pandora's box and a wave of craziness came through. Um, So, Eh. you know, that's it. <laughs> I, I can't. I'm used to crazy waves. Part yeah. of my family. Well, you never caught any grief from this. I don't think you ever. I, don't I call. I got. I got inboxes. I got text messages. I just don't give a shit. I honestly don't give a shit. You don't like what I said? Then fuck. Go somewhere else. I got nothing. See, I don't. I don't remember you getting as as much craziness as I did because I didn't oh, even. Sure, I, didn't, I don't. I don't put as much emphasis on it as you do either. Well, if you, somebody doesn't like me, I don't give a shit. Yeah, but you weren't the one that was like having people like flip out on you. <laughs> now I'm like, you know what? If, if I mean, if you really believe that a guy came back in time and went to a chat room on Coast to Coast AM to talk about yeah. how you, it's Good just for you. Now, I have some cookies for you too. Nowadays, if somebody were to perpetuate this kind of a hoax, it just wouldn't happen because we've reached the point where everybody can find everything out about anybody. So well, somebody would have no, fake news. Yeah, no kidding. You're wrong. This this is <laughs> fake news. Um, so, you know, yeah, that's, I just don't, it, I, I'd look at this uh, in terms of if somebody were to pull this off today, would it work and would it have the same effect today as it did back then when this happened? And I, no, it would not, it would not have worked. It wouldn't have happened. It's just, I just don't think it would have been a thing. You know, I, I just don't think so. I'm sorry. I don't. Dude, it's 2017. We have people that believe the world is flat and that reptilians still control things. Masons run the world and there's baby eating cults somewhere in middle America. Really, dude? <laughs> you got a point. <laughs> and that was not rehearsed. You got a point. You really do. <laughs> uh, all right. So having babbled on here for like 15 minutes or however long we've babbled on, here what follows is the original interview with Joseph Matheny, the last interview that I know that I know of that he gave in podcast form to anybody, that I believe, uh, about the whole John Teeter thing. Um, and that's it. All the way to the end. And we'll see you guys again soon. Peace. Bye-bye. Doc. I'm from the future. I came here in a time machine that you invented. Now I need your help to get back to the year 1985.
please. Okay, so we have Joseph Matheny with us. Um, you know what? Give, give us a brief bio about the last 75 years of your life and everything that you've done. Because you've done so years. much crazy cool crap. Like, I know you've got tons of patents out there. I know you were involved with Adobe in one form or another. Um, you've done stuff with alternate reality games. You've done a lot of stuff with the Ong's Hat ordeal. Um, am, you know, am I wrong so far or... No, no, no. I mean, I. Um, yeah, I mean, we could we could focus on kind of the the uh, the artistic side, the professional side. Pretty simple. Um, I've been in tech since '93. Yeah, somewhere around there. I, I kind of got professionally involved in tech, um, as in working for real companies. And I worked for Macromedia before they were bought by Adobe, of course. And then I worked for Netscape, if you remember that company. Mm-hmm. Um, and then while I was at Netscape, uh, I used to go to lunch with the guys from Adobe, and they finally, this was around 96, I want to say, um, convinced me to come over to Adobe because now Adobe, it, it, most people forget that Adobe was a print company, but it was. Um, made their money on PostScript and, and then Photoshop, and uh, they were wanting to figure this Internet thing out. If you can imagine a company saying that, but this was 1996, um, and they were getting to the table a little late, so they pulled me over to uh, work with a, uh, a new group that they started internally, which was an entrepreneurial group, which means that we kind of got left alone by the rest of the company, and we kind of ran ourselves like a startup, but we were, we were officially Adobe, but the rules were that we didn't have to do what the rest of the company did because we were the Internet thing, and that was the hot, cool new thing, and we needed to figure it out without the constraints of the rest of the company bogging us down. You know, pretty, pretty forward thinking actually for its time to try to start something in a big, monolithic company like that at the time, um, and out of that came PDF and Acrobat and a bunch of other stuff. And eventually, I left the company in '99 and started uh, a DVD startup, and it lasted less than a year before Apple bought us. Um, yeah, you've got patents with all this stuff too, though, right? You... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got, got patents with that stuff, and then. Um, in doing Ong's Hat, I was developing a bunch of um, what's now probably called social media applications and artificial intelligence stuff, which uh, I ended up patenting and, and selling to some companies. And, you know, I've been kind of a dog without a collar since I, uh, since I left the DVD field and just kind of, kind of freelancing and consulting. I did start one company in Santa Barbara in 2007, um, ended up selling that, and then... Kind of just been uh, a bum ever since. Yeah, that's what I've been doing. Well, you've done your nice. work. <laughs> you can, I've been a bum, he yeah. says. Because <laughs> whenever I think of you, professional bum. <laughs> I always, for whatever reason, when I whenever I think of you, I always go to like this William Gibson cyberpunk kind of guy that you would read about in the William Gibson cyberpunk novels. You know, which now that stuff is kind of dated to think of you that way, but um. So yeah, I th- well, back when that, when that, before that was dated, I I probably thought of myself as that way. Yeah, you um, were cyberpunk. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I was. Yeah, I was first wave cyberpunk. I was. Yeah, for sure. So, well, the main reason I wanted to have you on here, you've got a lot of stuff going on, but the the real big thing yeah, he is does. is um, <laughs> not really. He's a bum now. <laughs> a, you're a bum, rock bum. Uh, is the whole the John Teeter thing? Um, uh huh. So you you were John Teeter. You were the you were the guy. Well, that I was I was one of the John Teeters. 
See, I okay. knew there was more involvement than just one. I think the you're stuff yeah. that was going on. It could have only been more than one. <laughs> yeah, there, there was actually four of us. Me counting, counting me. Yeah, there was four of us. Okay. Um. Uh, okay, so I'll just kind of give you the background on this. Um, around 1999, um, the onset thing was was going pretty strong, but I was a little disappointed in the fact that what I was attracting was. Um, uh, I started to attract at that point less gamers and more hardcore conspiracy theorists, and, and that's no. not who I was at. Not who I was after, because um, they're the worst game players in the world for one thing. Um, <laughs> the <laughs> no no fucking the sense of humor. No sense of humor. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, uh, there were some people that I met in in running the onset stuff uh, that we jokingly referred to us by ourselves by a couple of different names, but the, uh, the back, the back office boys was one thing that we called ourselves. Um, and we were kind of the inner circle of the, the puppet masters as, you know, ultimate reality gaming eventually called us. Um, I just called, I just called it the, the, you know, the, the insiders in the circle. Um, and you know, the, the art bell thing <clears throat> was really hot at that point and art was still around. Um, and one of the things that, uh, one of the tropes that, that, uh, the art bell show started to run with really hard was time travelers. And I don't know if you remember, but art used to actually open the phone lines back then and say, anybody who's a time traveler, call, call this yeah. number, you know? And, and yep. then he would put off these calls and some of them were amazing. Um, and some of them were just, you know, pitiful and pathetic and sad, um, but some of them were just really amazing. Like, you know, some really creative people were calling him up and, and uh, spoofing some cool stuff. So the, uh, the John Cedar thing really honestly started as an extension or, or uh, parallel to the Ong's hat thing is that we wanted to learn some of the lessons or, you know, some of the lessons I had learned um, and not try to repeat some of the mistakes. Um, one of them was don't use your real name. I learned that one the hard way. Um, where do you and, think I learned it, it from? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Don't use your real name. Um, but uh, you know, we were and we were talking about time travel because we were really into the whole uh, time travel trope that was running around at that point. I mean, the Montauk Project and all that kind of stuff was was popping up at the time, and and the and the Art Bell thing was really hot. There was a lot of people calling art and. Uh, at the time, Art Bell still had, still had a, a board, uh, if you remember. It was yeah. a forum. Yeah. Um, amazing forums or something like that. It was the um, Coast to Coast forums. And then there was also the timetravel.org forums or something like that as well. Yeah, that was, that was but at the time, the, the Art Bell Show actually had uh, amazing forums, I think it was called. And it was, it was dedicated to the Art Bell Show. And there was, um, you know, an opportunity to, uh, we would have called it trolling at the time, but I will admit now that it probably kind of was a troll. Um, to, to troll Art Bell. Kind of was um, a troll. <laughs> well, you know. I mean, you know. I prefer to call it performance art. But um, we, uh, we we kind of looked at it and said, you know, there, there, we have an opportunity to do something here. We can take this time travel trope, which is real hot right now, we can latch onto it, and we could we could do something and we could, and we'll never take credit for it so that there's always this open-ended mystery that will, you know, echo through the generations and eh, we're full of ourselves. But, um, 
you know, really what we wanted to do is we wanted to create a modern myth on the Internet, which I'd kind of done with OnSAP, but we, we really wanted to do one that nobody could be pointed to. And that, that was the, you know, the, the Achilles heel on the OnSAP thing was that I had used myself as a character in the story, so there was always a person to point to. And we didn't want there to be a person to point to. John was going to go back to the future at some point, not to, you know, back to the future, but, um, and, and then, and then he would be, yeah. Oh, Marty! Um, and then we would, <laughs> and then and then he would be gone. And then, um, you know, in in studying mythology and knowing mythology the way that I do, um, I found that you know most heroes uh, tend to disappear at the end. They they get you know uh, right pulled up into, into the heaven, sunset. or they walk down into the cave and are never seen again, or they fly off into the sunset somehow. So I like that idea. So I sat down with these other three people and we constructed this thing. And my part of it was to do the character profile, uh, some of the politics, you know, because there's uh, civil wars and all these things that we're talking about. And, and it was my bright idea to come up with the antiquated uh, computer because <laughs> I figured if we had something that obvious, because I like to do that. The IBM 5100, correct? Yeah, if you stick the IBM 5100 in the middle of it, most people are going to roll their eyes and know that this is a put-on. I always like to have a wink and a nudge in there, you know, so that the, the intelligent, sane person will, will go, well, this is a put-on, but I'm going to keep reading because I'm being entertained. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I wanted that there. So And also, I just like to do things like that. I like to put obviously stupid things in the middle of something that's well-constructed <laughs> just because, you know, I like imperfection. It, 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 it's, the, it's the touch of chaos that I like to put in there. Um so uh, yeah, so we so we we started doing this, and we started uh, we started on the forums, um, and then we actually started faxing um, Art Bell. Now, mind you, this is before I was on the Art Bell show. I didn't get on until November two thousand for Ong's Hat, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I had already written it off as um, I had these two final goals that I wanted to reach with Ong's Hat, which I did eventually reach. But I thought I wasn't going to. I thought, you know, there was no way in hell Art Bell was ever going to have Ong's hat on there. Well, I was wrong. It did happen. Um, I also <laughs> well, that was a big I deal, also... though. That's why, you know, that was yeah, a big yeah, yeah. thing. It was, it was hard to do, and I had to uh, socially engineer that, which I never told anybody, but it did happen. Um, and, and I also wanted to get in the Weekly World News, which happened a couple of years later, which that made my day. Um, <laughs> so You're so, a legend, you know, the... man. <laughs> so the teeter thing um, was really, honestly, uh, we were fucking with our bell um, because you know we would we would listen to some of the people he had on the show back then because that was back when you know uh, he was he was having uh, Ed Dames on all the time and uh, I mean that was the fun days of our bell because it was so far out you mm-hmm. know that it, that it was fun to listen to so we had the really far out people. And we said, well, we could probably construct something and we could at least get him to talk about it, which we did. Um, I know George Norrie talks about John Teeter to this day, yep. um, which is amazing. Um, the, uh, and so the construct was that, you know, we would never, uh, we, would, we would never divulge that we did this. We would never step out from behind the curtain, blah, 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 blah. My thing was putting together the character profile of the character John which most people, I think, have figured out by now that it was based on the guy from Terminator. Yep. <laughs> I don't know if anybody... No, I don't know if everybody's figured that out, but they should. Um, John Connor. Well, now they'll <laughs> see the correlation. Yeah, John Teeter, John Connor. 
Yeah. Um, it's John Titor, not John Titor, by the way. I, I keep hearing people pronounce it Titor, and I want to just like scream, "That's John Titor!" But I created the yeah. guy. I know who he is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Damn it! I know how it's pronounced. I made it up. Um, <laughs> so. The uh, the whole thing was me and three people uh, from who were at the time up and comers in the media industry, um, you know, kind of like working, you know, post production and that kind of stuff, um, and and so we did it till, and pardon me, but it's been a while. I believe we concluded in two thousand and one. I want to say um, when John dropped out of existence, and then we just kind of let it go. We were just like that was fun. You know, okay, we're done. And it kept um, on going. <laughs> and yeah, it was actually, it's like we'd roll a snowball about a mountain. And this thing just kept getting bigger and bigger. And we're watching this happen. And we're all looking at each other like, what the? And, and it finally culminated with um, all these uh, websites popping up, like, you know, above Top Secret and, and even johnteeter.com. And like, all these that's still around. Places. I'm actually looking at it right now. It's called the John Teeter Times. It's still there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, I know, I know. Um, and it, it culminated with all these people, um, you know, like doing these this, these YouTube videos and like all this hard research, you know, and I'm making air quotes because you can't see me. Um, Dude, they've got know, an article like, on here about the time, the, the Large Hadron Collider having something to do with time travel in relation to the John Teeter thing. Oh yeah, yeah. So, um, and then I'm watching all these, all these people that they're accusing, you know, that they're, that they're speculating. These are the people that did it. My name doesn't come up one time and I'm almost kind of, you know, insulted that <laughs> I, I thought, I thought I would be the obvious suspect, you know, but no, not, not at all. Um, and then I started like, Oh, that's kind of funny. You know, like I'm the one that's like, obviously if any, if you, if you were to step back and look at the internet and go. Who's the biggest asshole out there that probably did something like this? You know, my head would be flashing red. Um, but, you know, for whatever reason, I was passed over. And, and you know, that, that's fine. Um, I'm not bitter. But, there, but there was a friend of mine who had nothing to do with it, um, who did suspect that I had something to do with it and asked me, and I told him in confidence, yeah, it was me. Um, he got implicated, although he, and I'm saying right now, he had nothing to do with it. Um, and, and then, then it really got weird. Then people started doing, <laughs> wait, then, then it got, got weird. weird. Then, yeah, it got no, weird. then it got weird. Then people started making documentaries or mockumentaries, I should say, um, independent. There's like three independent films. There was, um, uh, an entire series, anime series in Japan called, uh, Stein's Gate. And if anybody wants to look it up, it's Stein's semicolon gate. I don't know why it's done like that, but it is. Um, it's an entire, like, five-season series or something. And it's all about John Teeter. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's, like, one of the wonderful things to, for me to watch. Because when I first discovered it, I, like, downloaded, like, three of the first seasons. And, like, every five minutes, like, the, the head Japanese guy is going, John Teeter! You know, and I just fall out of my chair laughing. Um, but... But it's Dude, you're huge whole, with the Japanese, huge. Yeah, it's just like this whole story arc about that has John Teeter in it and, and John Tycholer, as they call him, um, and the Long Hadron, <laughs> the Large Hadron Collider, and you know it, it's amazing. So they did. I think they did a great, great job. And I even wrote him a letter, um, and I said, 
Um, you may not know, or you may know, but you know, this is one of the John Teeters, and I just wanted to let you know that I watch your series, and I think it's fucking amazing. Um, and they wrote me back. All they sent me back was an emoticon link. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, <clears throat> I was. Um, I remember listening to the original. Oliver Williams was the guy that put together JohnTeeter.com. And right. uh, which is still there right now. And then I remember yeah. listening to the uh, Coast to Coast episode where Oliver Williams was on there going through this whole thing that you guys had created. And there was people calling him in and asking him all these questions and stuff. I went back and re-listened to it today, actually, which was great because uh-huh. I hadn't heard in a long time. Now, tell me if this – were you, Josh? Were you the guy that called in and said that you worked for an IT company and that, yeah, that, was, that was me. That, well, obviously, that was me. Okay. I, I thought it was you because I recognized the voice, and I'm like, son of a bitch. He even called into the show to further yeah. troll the troll that was being trolled. <laughs> yes, yes. And yeah, like, and those bad. I mean, Coast to Coast has had uh, the JohnCeter.com people on there, I don't know. I don't know. Like, they, they all the way up to a couple of years ago, I know they were on pretty regularly. Do they know that you were a part of it? Have you contacted them? No, I never did, and um, and here's the story on that. There was a there was a guy. Uh, I want to say this was five years ago, um, who is an entertainment attorney out of Florida, who is suspect number one for all the researchers, um, who put out a book and claimed that he had written the book in along with John's family, who is here now, and John's a child now. You know, I mean, you get the whole time paradox thing. Um, but he put this book out and, and was selling it, right? And so when we did this project, we had just a couple of rules. And one of the rules was that, you know, it was never to be used overtly for exploitative, exploitive uh, uh, gain. Like, you know, don't, don't let Warner make a movie for sure. Um, you know, do everything you can. I mean, that, we don't have copyright on any of this, but, you know, if, if you see that happening, then we're going to step forward and we're going to kick the pins out from under it. Like, you know, Independent filmmakers, I got no problem with. Japanese anime, those guys were cool. They sent me a wink. It's all good. Um, I'm sure they're not making a lot of money on that. Even if they are, I don't give a fuck. Um, but this, 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 this entertainment attorney really, the whole thing rubbed me the wrong way. Um, so I decided, well, we need to out ourselves. Well, by now, the other three people are pretty high up in the entertainment industrial complex. Let me cut you off for one second. You're talking yeah. about John Teeter, A Time Traveler's Tale, right? That book? Uh, I think that's what it was called, yeah. but it Okay. Was, that it, book it is on Amazon right now, and it's going for $179.99. Because it's out of print. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait. There's seven used for $179.99 and four new yeah. for $979. Yeah, but they're all, but they're all, uh, it's out of print. Um <laughs> And, and it's out of print. I don't know if I want to go into it, but basically I put it out of print. Okay. Um, go ahead, yeah. And, go ahead. I, and, I, and I did it by contacting the guy who was publishing it and telling him in no uncertain terms, um, you know who you're talking to right now? You're talking to John Teeter, motherfucker. Um, you need to stop selling this book, or I'm going to go public with what a fucking fraud you are. And I'm going to tell people, even if I have to out myself to do it, I'm going to tell people you know, that you are a chiseling, lying, entertainment attorney, and you should go over a cliff on a bus. Because I hate, I, I hate those people. Don't be really words. Do. How do you really feel? Yeah, where, no, I, I, where, you know. Can you show us where on the doll where you were touched? <laughs> <laughs> wow, man, that's um, anger. I love it. 
<laughs> yeah, entertainment attorneys just piss me the fuck off. What can I say? Yeah, um, nothing. And it's awesome. What do you call a bunch of entertainment attorneys going over a cliff? A good start. Um, <laughs> God, I miss having so, you on. <laughs> so, you know, um, he never got back to me, but I did notice that uh, a few days later it had been pulled from sale on Amazon. Woo-hoo! Victory. Um, and then I went back to my friends and I said, look, we, we, we need to step forward and step on this because we need to get in, in front of this, you know. Um, cause this is just going to keep happening, man. We gotta, we gotta get in front of this. And one of them said yes. And the other two said no, because they didn't want to jeopardize their careers because, and, and rightfully so when you step forward and say that you're the one that did this kind of thing, the crazies will come out of the woodwork and you know, the, the, the villagers with the, with the pitchforks and the turkeys show up, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, yeah, cause I'm sure there's people that are listening to this right now that are saying you're a liar. Which, yeah, I, which is fine. Which yeah, is fine. I don't care myself, but, you know. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and then right, like, the day before, I was going to have my friend, who I don't want to name, I was going to have him on G-Spot, my, my old podcast, and we were going to out ourselves on the podcast. Um, he chickened out. So there I was, there it was, you know, once again, this has happened to me so many times, let's charge into the boots, boys, and you turn around and you're alone. And... Uh, <laughs> And the uh, and so I kind of like did a, a really half-ass kind of sort of outing of myself podcast, and I was really angry. Um, it, it didn't come out well. Um, I, I probably f-bombed like every third word, uh, and you know, and I was really angry about the fact that that you know I built it up. I was ready to do this, and then nobody else would do it. Now I'm not angry with them for not doing it. I completely understand why they don't want to come forward. I really do. Um, I was just angry at the circumstances of like, you know, I talked the show up, but I said, we're going to give you the secrets behind John Peter. And I'm thinking I'm going to have at least one of my boys there. And now it's just me. And I'm like, well, great. You know, and I thought about telling the story that I'm telling you right now. And and for whatever reason, I was just so wound up and angry. It it didn't come out really. It It just came out with a lot of vitriol. And mostly what I ended up doing in that show was talking about how stupid the people were. <laughs> I couldn't figure out that it was me. <laughs> well, let me and ask you. I, and I think I said some shit about the horror, but, but you know. <laughs> what was that machine? They got a picture of what your, quote, time machine was. What actually is that thing? Well, the one of the people, um, I almost started his name. One of the people who was involved in this is a prop builder in Hollywood. Uh-huh. And and he built that from scratch. So it actually isn't anything. It's just a bunch of random stuff thrown into a box with a gauge on it. It's, um, I don't even know what it is. I didn't even ask. All I know is he was sending me <laughs> photographs. He was sending me photographs of this stuff, and I'm like, oh, thing, you know, because people like that just blow my mind. And, um, and and he's a really, really good prop builder who has built props for uh, several sci-fi movies I can name that you would know. Mm-hmm. Um, started out by doing kind of B and then is now an A, mister. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's a really good prop builder, so he built it out of who knows what. I mean, that he solved well, I know it. what I mean, one of them is. What there's is a, it? There's a part in there, and that is one of the things that we had a conversation about that made it to the blooper reel. What's that? The potentiometer that's in there. Oh. Yeah, I yeah. build those. That co- yeah. One of those parts comes from my shop. 
<laughs> so I'm, awesome. I'm like, I'm like, no, this guy's full of shit. I know what that does, and that's no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, dude, we weren't. That's the thing. We were never like seriously trying to fool anybody. Oh yeah. Um, I, when yeah. when when it was brought up, I looked at it. I'm like, no, no, no. I know I know this is crap, and this is awesome because someone put it together to make it look like it actually does something. Yeah, exactly. It was it's awesome. Kind of a, yeah, it's just a bunch of stuff stepped together to look uh, impressive. You know? it, does, it did. It looked amazing. Yeah. And and so, um, yeah, it's just, it's props. It's it's a professional level props. And this guy's a really good prop builder. So, Absolutely. Uh, he, and he was the guy that was going to go on the show with me, which really, I was like, ah, because you know, what I wanted to do was kind of backwards engineer the pictures for us and say, and that right there, that's the cap off of a big pen. You know, <laughs> that would have been awesome. <laughs> Oh man, who was uh who who made the predictions? Did you make the predictions, or did somebody else in the group make the predictions? No, that was that was another person, uh, not the prop builder, but uh, he 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 did the predictions. I was feeding him. It was a basically the way we did this was um, we had uh, I built an SQL database, and then out in the database we had character profile, um, you know, like uh, you know what was his background, you know what does he like, what does he dislike. You know, what kind of music does he like and that kind of stuff. And then we also had the, the prediction stuff. And in the prediction stuff, everybody had input into it. But then we had one person who was kind of the editor curator of that. He decided out of the pool which ones he was going to release. And he was the one that was actually online on the forums feeding that stuff out. Now, if anybody, and I think a few people have figured this out and done this, but if anybody were to go back and find all the cheater posts, it's pretty evident that it's not one person. Mm -hmm. Um because it has different flavors. Okay. Um, I didn't. I didn't do a lot of them. I did a couple, and I wasn't comfortable with doing them uh, because I couldn't focus full time on it. Because at the time, I was wrapping up on Hat, right? So I only had some time to give this, and not all the time to give this. And I didn't want to. I didn't want to fuck up, right? I didn't want to slip up and and do something wrong. So I let the other three guys handle most of the posting. Um, really two of them handled most of the posting. And then uh, person number three, I keep wanting to say names, person number three uh, handled the props, um, anything that had to do with visuals, uh, he took care of. And then my my thing was kind of like um, Myth Master, I guess you would say. I was, I was kind of like the Dungeon Master, in a way, um, <laughs> of all this stuff, and, and kind of like going, well, you know, uh, let me see that post. Nah, it needs to be a little more cynical. We need, we need to have some civil war in there. So, you know, and, right. and I was kind of like, yeah, I was kind of like the cultural curator. Let me know? read this out so. loud here, because this is something that happened in one of the posts. Um, uh -huh. I should let you on a little secret. No one likes you in the future. This time period is looked at as being full of lazy, self-centered, civically ignorant sheep. Perhaps you should be less concerned about me and more concerned about that. John Teeter, A Time Traveler's Tale, page 21. <laughs> now, now, can you tell who wrote that one? <laughs> What's that? Can, can, can you tell from the flavor who wrote that one? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It, it 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 tastes a bit of angst. I'm gonna say it's Anger. you. <laughs> Let's just say my nickname in the group is Uncle Cranky Pants. But, uh... <laughs> uh, there's like web pages dedicated to every aspect of this story. There's a whole graph about the the whole uh, how you tra John Teeter traveled from one future to a different future, how things interact. There's like timelines that overcross one another. Um, 
there's whole pages dedicated to just the predictions of which ones came true, which ones didn't come true. Ones that really, I, I don't think anybody like was, I think somebody was just spewing stuff out there and they happened to come true or they want to make them go. It was like, and on this day, the sky will be blue. And on this day, the sky was blue, you know, that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah. Well, there were two, there's two sides to that. Um, number one, I mean, the, the, the prophecy thing was parody. You know, yeah. I mean, we were we were definitely doing parodies of prophecies because very well, some known, of them did come true. I mean, you've got in here that well, in the future the yeah. internet will be handled by nodes; it won't be handled by phone lines. When I look at this stuff, I'm like, this is stuff that you guys would have known because you were inside the industry, knowing what was coming. So yeah, and I was and I, at that time. I was you know very in IT, um, you know, uh, very much into what was happening on the cutting edge of IT, um, and in a position where I would know things like that because I was working for companies that, you know, had so much money that we were, we were buying things and implementing things that nobody else was going to implement for another three years. Yeah. You know, um, so we were buying this stuff when it was beta, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was easy for me to do these extrapolations. That would explain um, how yeah, you guys knew about the, the computer, the 5100, about how they would be able to be backwards compatible with older computers. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is, uh, it, it, we were, Okay, to the man, all four of us were Unix geeks. Yeah. And and to the man, um, I don't want to give it away, we met um, in the IT industry. So even though people went on to do other things in the entertainment industry, including myself, um, you know, how we made our bread and butter and how we kind of got our start, got our foot in the door, was that the Internet thing happened in the 90s, and, and we just happened to be a bunch of people that, up until that point, were I, you know I would say that we were hobbyist hackers. We you know we hung out on bulletin board systems. We knew we, we knew how to phone freak, you know, and and because you couldn't make a living in early like you know in, in the eighties, man, that that was not a sellable skill, you know. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't until before. like yeah, it wasn't until like the the, the ninety the early nineties that people started coming to me and saying, hey, I heard you know how to you know, and, and offering me jobs to do this stuff that I was sitting in my living room doing, you know, for shits and giggles in the middle of the night. Um, and, and so that's, you know, that's kind of how I grew up. And we all knew each other from that culture. Um, and so it was, you know, it was simple for us to kind of pull these things together and make intelligent extrapolations. But also from my perspective, I love making, I love making fun of prophecies because, if they do come true, it's usually a stretch. It's somebody stretching reality around the prophecy to make it match. And when they don't come true, there's always an explanation for why it didn't come true yet. You know? Um, it reminds so me of Monty kinda... Python. <laughs> With Life of Brian, is that what it was? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was me poking my finger in the eye of, of the whole guru prophecy, you know, thing. Um, and, and, uh, I was going to go somewhere with that, but then we got sidetracked. But the, uh, oh, the prophecy thing. Um, yeah, that was, you know, that was, that was, that was part parody. And then part, you know, what we knew was what we thought was probably going to come. I mean, you never know. There's always dark horse that comes out of nowhere and blows your expectations out of the water. Um, you saw the iPod coming, right? But, um, that's just the kind of stuff that, that we were playing with. And, and, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it was an art project. It really was. And, and, you know, I jokingly say we were trolling Art Bell. And that was really just to 
to give us a platform. Um, and to be honest with you, when we started doing it, we didn't know that he was even going to pay attention to us. Mm-hmm. He just got lucky. You know? Do you know how much you guys have increased the value of that computer? It, it's, <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, it, 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 it sells now as a collector's item on eBay, doesn't it? <laughs> if you can't even find them on eBay. The, the last one that I saw... Oh shoot! Where was it? Hold on, you, give me a second here. You I found one for nine thousand dollars. It's, I mean, it's probably just a junk computer, but everybody wants one now because of that whole thing. You know, yeah, you can't do, you can't do anything with it. <laughs> no. What do you mean you can't do anything it, with it? You can, you can time travel through time. time. <laughs> oh, I forgot. Yes, you can travel. No, that actually time. wasn't what travel. He came back in time to get this computer to go into yeah. the computer. There is people yeah. that are actually that were out for a little while hunting these things down and saving them, so in the future they would be so there. John could find them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is why John <laughs> vanished because he no longer needed to come back in time because because of him coming back here and saying that people were saving them. <laughs> but yeah. of course, because because John came back to this timeline, he can't go back to the timeline he came from. I mean, you know, we can go on with that. But, yeah, twisty, uh, timey, timey, wimey kind of thing. Yes, 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 yes. Bifurcation of time and time streams sure. by occupation, yes. People assume that time is a strict progression of cause to effect, but actually, from a non-linear, non-subjective viewpoint, it's more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. The whole, the whole thing wraps up with uh, this lawyer, you know, doing the book. Um, oh, my God, there's down. John Teeter comic strips. I'm said, sorry. We tried to get everybody to, to come together. Me thinking I have at least the prop builder who's going to come on with me, which I thought would have been cool. Um, but yeah, none of that happened. So I just, and then me completely bobbling the ball because I mostly overwrought. They were going to make a movie <laughs> and, uh, out of this too, from the looks of it. No, there, there have been two or three independent films made about John, T- John Cena. Now I'm saying it like them. Um, uh, they're, <laughs> There's been, uh, there was one uh, uh, VOD that came out, uh, Indie Flicks, I think, had it. And um, there was another one that I saw on Netflix, I want to say. Um, and so it pops up from time. And like I said, The Steins Gate, which I think is an amazing series um, and funny. Uh, the, the thing I like about it is they had humor, and, and it needs humor, you know. Um, so they didn't, they didn't step on the spirit of the thing by trying to get all solemn and serious with it. They, they made it, you know, a comedy-esque type thing about time travel, and it was, you know, it had a lot of uh, funny stuff. It was anime. Um, so, yeah, that, I mean, that, I think that's, you know, that at the end of the day, I think we succeeded <laughs> in what we were trying to do, which was to build a legend that became legend in life. Um, and at the end of the day, I think we probably exceeded our expectations for sure. Oh, yeah. yeah, especially when we went hands-off and... and when we did hands off and John went home, I figured it was over. Like I figured there might be a little bit of putter, 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 and then it would fizzle. And I had no idea that you know uh, George Norrie was going to come along and pick up the John Cedar banner because you know uh, say what you want about Art Bell, but uh, yeah, I can't. Some of the things I can say about Art, I can't say about George Norrie. So no, they're yeah. they're completely yeah. different people. I'm not sure if it was yeah. Art Bell or George Norrie, but somebody called into the show. And acted like they're inside of a secret military installation base out in Arizona and that there was alien creatures coming through. And what they were doing was they were narrating the game, um, oh, shoot, Half-Life. They were 
Yeah, yeah. They were yeah. narrating uh, the, the video game Half Life, telling it as a story that was actually happening to them. I swear yeah. it was. Uh, I swear it was George Norrie, and he was like, "Really? Wow, fascinating." And and what's going on there now? You know, whereas Art Bell. Yeah, there was a there was a famous one where Art Bell got a call from a guy who supposedly was flying a Cessna plane into Area Fifty One. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a great call. I I, I love that call. Yeah. Um, but yeah, George. That's what we got, George. Is, is I, and I don't listen to Coast to Coast anymore. I've just so had it with that. Oh, no yeah. you, but um, yeah, it's just like you know, really? Oh, tell me more. You know, and it's like it doesn't matter. Where, it, you could be saying the most outrageous thing in the world, yeah. and it just he never like pressed in. And Art, at least sometimes would press. I mean, there's some people he gave carte blanche to. I noticed like Ed Dames and uh, Richard Hoagland and people like that were obviously friends of his, and they got carte blanche. But there was other people where he would press in. Um, and, and I like the fact that he would at least, I mean, you know, it is coast to coast. You, you don't listen to it expecting to get the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you listen to it to be entertained. Well, I did anyway. There, <laughs> th- I think there's like 15 episodes or something about John Teeter on there. There was, um, I'm seriously, I mean, if you go into YouTube and type in John Teeter. Brrr, I know, I know. I mean, how no, do you feel now either. when somebody brings that up to you and you're like, yeah, I know all about it. That was me. And nobody, nobody believes you, you know, I mean. Well, do you even nobody. try? <laughs> you know, <laughs> smart I mean, people do. Um, well, yeah. The, the, if it's a friend of mine, if if somebody knows me, or they know enough about me, um, and they say something about John Teeter, depending on who it is, I may just go, "Well, you know, that was I was part of that, right?" And, and then, and usually, the answer is no, but I figured you were. Um, <laughs> <laughs> See, the and, thing is, uh, until I knew it was you, I didn't, I didn't, you know, it was like, yeah, it was a really cool story. And then once I figured out it was you, then I looked at it and I went, oh my God, yeah, this, this all makes perfect sense. And then when I no, went back and is. listened to the show and I heard you call in, I was like, Jesus Christ, that's him <laughs> calling into the show. <laughs> and you were like, I yeah, the whole, the Y2 things, things made up. We made it all up. And, and George Nori was like, uh, I mean, Art Bell, yeah, George Nori, he was like, well, why would yeah. you lie about that? And you were like, to make money, <laughs> you know, there's this slight pause. <laughs> it's hysterical. Why wouldn't you lie about that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why do you do coast to coast? Oh, same reason. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, and, and uh, probably if I have any feelings about it at all that, 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 that endure, um, the thing that I still find most surprising is that I was never implicated. Um, and I was kidding when I said my feelings were hurt, but, um, but I, I do find it surprising. Um, cause at the time that was going on, I mean, the onset thing was, you know, coming to a conclusion and every conspiracy theorist in the world wanted my head on a stick. And, um, and it, I, to me, like you said, to me, it was obvious. My fingerprints were all over it. And I was like, well, they're going to figure this out sooner or later. Nobody else. It's still going. It's still, yeah, yeah. It's still yeah. going now, you know. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, dude, Teflon I, Don. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I put it on my web page years ago that you know I was part of this, and and I figured that that'll the jig's up, you know. Once I do that, people will you know let it go. No, they haven't. And there was even a three hundred dollar reward offered if somebody could prove what that box actually was. Somebody had posted a three hundred dollar word if they if you could prove to them this is what this box actually is, you know well, what it's made out of. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it would be worth it to my buddy 
because he makes a lot of money. But you know, yeah. I could tell him that there's a there's a bounty on that, and <laughs> I don't even I don't know if he even still has it. But uh, oh, it'd be great I'm if he sure showed up on eBay. <laughs> He might, he might, he might still have it in his garage. I don't know that, but it, but he might. And if he did, um, yeah, I should probably uh, get him to to loan it to me so I can take. You could actually have a lot of fun with it because if you got it, you could put some modern pics of it out there and just restart the whole thing kind of all over again, slightly. No, see, I, I wouldn't do that. What I would do is I would take pictures of me hugging it um, and put them all over, you know, the internet with obviously my face hugging the box. And and then put it on eBay. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure it would sell for a ton of money too. Want to get in contact with the show or listen to back episodes? It's easy. Go to www.projectarchivist.com. On the right side of the page, you'll find links to our archives as well as links on how to get onto our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter. If you want to leave a voicemail for us, it's 734-681-0459. Yes, we do listen to all of them. Or if you want to talk to Lobo directly, you can call 203-212-9975. Yes, that will in fact put you in touch with his cell phone. If he's available, he will take your call and talk to you. If you're just looking to send us an email, you can do that at projectarchivist at gmail.com. Don't forget to look for us on iTunes under the podcast section, or you can stream us right to your phone with the Stitcher Android app for free. If you like motorcycles and you like comedy, perhaps you should try the Wheel Nerds podcast. Stop that. What are you doing? I'm doing my announcer voice. It's proven super effective. It's stupid. Nope. We're the Wheel Nerds. Shut up. We're the Wheel Nerds. We're a weekly-ish comedy motorcycle podcast where we talk about everything two wheels and a bunch of stuff that isn't. Give us a listen at wheelnerds.com, iTunes, or Stitcher. Or wherever fine podcasts are sold. Ha, ha, ha. Hey, congratulations. You're already listening to one of the best podcasts on the internet, Project Archivist, with Rojan and Lobo couple of guys I've known for a long time. They put on a great show, and so do I. It's called Sword and Scale, and it deals with true crime. Horrible things that have happened in this world that we live in. With real people that live amongst us. In fact, what we say on the show is that the worst monsters are real. And I think if you listen to some of our stories, you too will agree. So head on over to swordandscale.com after the episode and give us a listen. And now... Back to the show. All right. Well, let's move on from this since we've pretty much beaten this dead horse. Um, <laughs> now, you guys were talking before the show. I'm I'm out of the loop on this. Though you brought up something to do with this thing called the Finders, and you brought yeah, found yeah. some kind of a book that goes along with it. What the hell is the Finders? Because neither one of you guys would tell me off the yep. air. Want to tell me on the air? <laughs> um, I'll tell you what, Bobo. Why don't you go first, and then I'll follow up. <laughs> How do you how do you broach a subject like this? I know that when when I first heard about it, I was terrified for I didn't even have children yet. So I'm hoping we're talking about the same thing. Because apparently there was a cult of uh people stealing children, child abduction. Okay, cult. No, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes and no. Okay. Um, so, so let me so let's back up and then we'll run How is this a yes and no thing? <laughs> That, well, that does that does the, the the accusation of that does come into it, but yes. then um, they get cleared of that, and yes. and that's the part that never gets talked about. But but the back at way up in the '60s, there was this guy named Marion Petty, yep. and Marion had a background of um, 
working in the Army and Army intelligence, um, not as a spook per se, but he was actually a driver. Um, he would drive Pentagon generals and, you know, people like that around. Um, but he, but he's a great, he was a great uh, networker, a rock on tour, and just a great storyteller and a really intelligent, very inquisitive person who, when he got out of the military in the 60s, um, decided that he wanted to keep learning and keep applying what he was learning to finding something better, trying to find a better way than the current way that we live in civilization now. And what he came upon was more of a tribal uh, way to live, um, small groups, um, and, and the uh, implementation of, of gaming in the true sense of the word. And, and I know there's a lot of confusion with the word game out there because there's a lot of people that contact me all the time who seem to think that the stuff that I do and the stuff that, like, Teddy was doing um, means game like trivial, uh, just entertainment. And if you look at the history of gaming in civilization and pre-civilization, gaming actually used to hold a sacred spot. Um, and it has a lot to do with learning. And it has a lot to do with initiation and shamanism. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's when I say gaming, that's, that's the aspect of gaming I refer to not sitting in front of your television with your Xbox remote in your hand um, <laughs> kind of thing, you know, or, or rolling with the 12 sided die or whatever the hell that they do. Um, D 20. Thank you. Know, 20, whatever. Wow. Um, I, I was never a D and D. I was a LARPer though. So I, I am a geek. Um, oh, you, if never... you were a LARPer, you've got far more geek cred than me. Hell but yeah. Moving on. Go ahead. But moving on. Wow. Um, so, uh, so Teddy would, uh, would do these salons um, where people would come and just hang out. And he had some money, and so he would buy, like, an apartment building. And he would let everybody live there for free and do whatever they wanted to do. And uh, they threw money into a communal pot to kind of keep the utilities paid and, you know, that kind of stuff. And, and they were, what they were doing is they were kind of undoing themselves from civilization and then trying to come up with what they wanted to redo themselves as, <clears throat> which, you know, the first part is you have to peel the onion and then you have to decide, I don't want to be an onion, I want to be a radish or whatever. Um, and <laughs> want to well, be a you know, radish. <laughs> well, or whatever, you know, I want to be a banana. Um, oh, God, don't say and, that. <laughs> so they, <laughs> oh, man. Yes. So they... Uh, they went through this process and, and he started coming up with something called, uh, they started calling him the game caller because what he started doing was, was, you know, people would come and say, I'd like you to be my game caller today. He didn't, he didn't have to be your game caller. You could, you could name anybody your game caller for the day. And they, and then somebody called your game and they had to say, you know, take this $5 and go to India and come back. And they would do it. And they would have these amazing adventures, right? And they would take journal notes and everything while they were doing this stuff, and then they would come back, and then they would relate to the to the rest of the uh, the group, like, this is what I did, and this is how I did it, and then I had to hop a rail, and then I met some guy at a train station who gave me a job picking, you know, and they would tell these stories to each other, and what they were trying to do is they were trying to discover another way to exist on this planet other than being, you know, inside the, the, the planetary work machine. So this goes on for a while, and they and they end up um, prospering very much. It, it's all communal. It's not petty getting all the money. It's like it's communal. 
And the, the, the group ends up with a bunch of money, so they end up buying buildings and they buy a farm and all this stuff. And, and they have one of the experiments that they have is letting children be a little more wild than they get to be in civilization. Um, so the kids actually just kind of ran around the farm and did whatever they wanted to do, and they were more responsible for themselves without adults hovering over them all the time and telling them what to do and giving them rules. So they got to be kind of wild during their early childhood. Um, and this is where the, the dark side comes in, which is um, there were two of the guys who had the kids and were taking the kids from one farm to another and were spotted by somebody in Tallahassee, Florida, who called the police. Right. Now, even though the guys were smart enough to have, and these were all college graduates. I mean, these were smart people. These weren't just like a bunch of, you know, yahoos. They had signed permission slips by each one of the parents in the death compartment that said, my son is with these two men and I give permission to these two men to have my son for the day with the rest of the kids because it's part of a community that we live in. And blah, 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 blah. Well, the cops just show up, nab these guys, put the kids in, in uh, child services, don't even bother to look in the glove compartment that they have notes and drag. And then the press gets a hold of it. Well, the press gets a hold of this and the cops then make raids on the finders compounds in Washington. And in those raids, what they find is a celebration that they had done at the farm um, where they had slaughtered a couple of goats. Because when you live on a farm and you eat meat, that's what you do. You, you slaughter cattle, you slaughter goats, whatever. You know, you kill chickens, it happens. Um, it's part of so eating. They had, <laughs> yeah. So they had, they had slaughtered goats and roasted them for a celebration. And they're taking pictures of them doing it, and they made a celebration out of it. So they were all wearing like white robes and weird masks. They were being pagan, you know, um, which is not intrinsically evil. It just means they were being pagans. Sure. And um, that got into the hands of the press, and man, it just went nuts. At that point, if you, you know, this was the '80s, I believe, and this was satanic panic. High, this was the height of the satanic panic, and and it just and they ran rampant with this. Well. The part that they don't tell you about, and the papers never really printed this part, was the FBI, who was called in, looked it over, looked at the cops, and went, what the fuck are you guys doing? There's nothing here. And, <laughs> and, and the local police now had pumped it up so hard that they, you know, they didn't want to lose space, and they kept trying to run with this, and eventually it ran out of steam. The guys got out of jail. No charges were ever filed. The kids were interviewed. The kids were like, what are you talking about, satanic? What do you, what do you mean? And so, you know, their, their reputation got ruined um, for nothing, for no, you know, other than the fact that it was satanic panic. Well, the only thing that tends to survive on the Internet is everything up to the point where the guys are caught with the kids and not the rest of it. Yep. And, and of course, the previous part I was telling you about with the game calling, which I find very interesting, um, doesn't get talked about hardly at all. What does get talked about is that Penny came out of, you know, intelligence. Um and, you know, he was a driver. But, you know, for them, for them, <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, of course, they got to run with this shit. So uh, I looked into it a little deeper than, you know, the, than the average conspiracy bear. And I saw these holes. And then, I, and then I started reading the reports of the FBI. And I saw that these guys were exonerated. And I'm like, why are these conspiracy bears running around, you know, pointing fingers and yelling at these people? And then I got really interested in what Teddy was doing. And I discovered that there was one book that was written by a member of the, the Finders 
um, but it had never officially been printed. It had an ISBN number. It had uh, a vanity publisher, um, but it had never gotten out into the bookstore. So you can go to Google Books and you can look it up, but you can't find it for sale anywhere. Um, so I started doing some detective work, and one thing led to another, and I found the author of the book, and I contacted him. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm not here to, you know, with the pitches, the pitchforks and, and the torches. I really want to know what Mary and Petty was up to, and I want to read that book that you wrote. And if you want to send me a copy, I will send you any amount of money you ask for. I just want to read this book. Well, he got back to me. We had all the correspondence. He sent me the Microsoft Word document, which was the, you know, the, the format, the, the, uh, the draft. Or not the draft. It was the final version. It was the edited version. Um, but, you know, it was a pre-publication, you know, not printed yet. And I guess what he had been doing here and there when people asked him for the book was printing that out. Well, I told him, just send me the Microsoft Word document. I'll make my own EPUB and I'll be good. And he sent it to me and I did and I read the book and, and I was blown away. I was, this book was amazing. And I sent it to somebody else that I knew who I was interested in as well and he was blown away. And this was somebody, uh, I'm not going to use his name because I haven't asked him if I could, um, but this is somebody who's very credentialed uh, kind of in the uh, comparative religion and mythology field. And if I said his name, you, you would know because he's published. Uh-huh. Um, and I got back to the author and I said, why, why don't you publish this book? It, it's, an, it's, a, it's, a, it's an astounding book. It's, it's a life changer. You know, it really is. And he said that he wasn't interested in making money on it, that he wrote it really for people that were there and for people of that generation who, or people from kind of, the, he wrote it for the immediate circle of people that either knew the finders or were finders or anything like that. And um, so I asked him, I said, okay, fine. You don't want to sell the book. I, I could, I could shop. Put it out as moment. creative commons then. So I told him I would like to make two really good, ebook versions of Moby and EPUB and put it on creative comp, put it on archive.org. And he yeah. gave me the permission to do that. So it is now on archive.org. Nice. If you put in the game caller and game caller is one word, um, you'll find it on, on archive.org, uh, EPUB and a Moby version. Um, and, uh, well, now I discovered just a couple of days ago, I got contacted by a guy from Hollywood. whose name I also won't use cause he hasn't, I haven't told him that I was going to talk about this publicly. Uh, but he is making a documentary about the finders. Oh, awesome. Um, and he's going to interview me for it, um, but he's also interviewing, like, all the finders. I've already seen some of the interviews, and it's going to be a really good really good interview. And this is a guy who's got cred. He's got TV cred. Um, if I said the show he worked on, you would laugh your ass off, and you would know who I'm talking about. But um, the, uh, so anyway, there's a documentary coming. Um, I just uh, contacted Toby today, the author, and uh, asked him if we could do a limited print version because... Uh, Does he do interviews? People... No, not really. Thanks for deflating um, I, my I, bubble. I, I, <laughs> I, well, 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 hang on. I will ask him. Okay. Um, if he would like to do an interview with you. Don't be surprised if he says no. But, be um, he, uh, and he gave me permission to print, to do a limited print run, which we're going to sell uh, at cost, 
Um, so people that don't have Kindles and whatever, you know, um, can get the print book in their hands. I would say that'll probably happen in the next couple of weeks. So I'm very excited that, that the, true, the true story of the finders is finally getting out there because unfortunately the great story that was there had been obfuscated by the shit story that the media smeared on top of it. Yeah. And um, if I was a conspiracy theorist, I would, you know, say that that was done on purpose, but I don't think it was. I think there was just two people at the wrong place at the wrong time, um, definitely at the wrong time in history, um, with a handful of dirty children. <laughs> like, imagine <laughs> children dirty. Um, Never. And, yeah, they were, and they were at a park, you know. Imagine. Um, but, you know, I mean, nowadays, in 2014, even I wouldn't be in a van full of children with one other guy. No, <laughs> you know? no. Just, just because I know that it would look to the, to, you know, to the, to the nosy old neighbor, and this is the kind of person that called in on this, um, there would probably be a phone call, you know? Yeah. So I would at least have, like, a woman with me or something. But So we looked like a couple that had a bunch of kids with us. Um, but at the time, you know, they're, they're, they're total innocent. They're just so innocent. They just didn't put that together that that was going to be something that was going to be hung around their neck. And, you know, to this day, the two guys that were that were, that were were in the van don't want to talk, and, you know, and I don't blame them. Yeah. You know, it's like they, yeah. So, but, but the thing that got me the most was um, when I did read the book, I went, oh, my God, there's this amazing story about this amazing community that existed in the 60s. And, it's, and there wasn't, you know, it wasn't the whole hoodoo guru routine. You know, it wasn't like some dude from New Jersey sitting there going, oh, I'm so, I mean, so-and-so, you know, who's yeah. probably never been out of Jersey, bilking <laughs> um, all these people for their money. It was, it was a real intentional community that was trying to do something. That was that was using game theory and game principle to achieve it, which you know there still I mean, are a lot of communes and stuff like that out there, and a lot of them keep to themselves and stuff specifically because of situations like that. Yeah, what I what I don't know is that there's anyone out there that's using game theory the way that they were, which, as you know, well, you know that's why it resonates with me so much is because the whole reason I started doing what became called ARG was I was trying to do something exactly like what Petty was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never even knew they existed or that's what they were doing. And so when I started talking to Toby, I was like, dude, do you realize that that's what, this is what I was trying to have been trying to do. You know, and it was, it was, it was like meeting a kindred spirit after, you know, wandering in the desert. It was really cool. And knowing that there was, you know, something going on in the sixties that was that smart and that intentional um, that wasn't just because I've become pretty cynical with most of the stuff I saw that came out of the sixties. Cause most of it was just a game in, in the bad sense of the, of the word. It was like somebody trying to run a game on, on the crowd, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it was three card money. That's what they were trying to do is, is, you know, most of these gurus were playing three card money. And, um, it was just so refreshing to see that there was intelligent people that weren't off on some sort of, you know, uh, tangent, um, and talking all this crazy stuff or asking people to drink Kool-Aid or any of that, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like, there was, there was, there were people that were trying to do intelligent things. And, and unfortunately, and the thing that probably, uh, got my, my hair standing up a little bit, you know, in a, you know, like, like a dog and angry, um, was seeing how it got quashed simply out of, you know, hysteria and the media, of course, which, you know, is like one of my bugaboos. Um, just just jumping on these guys with both feet without any cause, and then oh, never apologizing for it. That's the other thing. 
So this whole thing got glossed. This got glossed over. I mean, there's this wonderful piece of history and this wonderful example of how things could work. Um, they just got glazed over by the satanic panic bullshit. Wow. Well, we're gonna. I, I've had you on here forever, but there's still a couple of more things that I want to cover with you. Not that I don't find that interesting, but you mentioned uh, alternate reality games. You've brought it up a couple of times, but I don't think we've ever discussed what ARG was. So can can you give us a nutshell tour? Because I don't want to have you on here forever. I'm sure you've got stuff that you want to do. No, Actually, no, I, I would I, have I, you I, on I, here all night if I could. <laughs> but uh, I, uh, I, I chucked the night out for you, so I'm good. Um, okay. Well, there's two there's two sides to that. There's what I wanted it to be and what it became. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> um, almost like the John Peter story here. I was just going to say that. Um, yeah. This stuff gets out of your control. Um, in the 80s, I was hanging out on bulletin board systems a lot. And, um, you know, you remember those things. Yeah, that was what social and, media uh, was back in the 80s. It was bulletin boards. Yeah. Back yes. in my day, we had to call the internet with our telephones. That, um, was what you, that was what the internet was. You would put your phone down and you would... Yeah, and you would get into the little room and you would post a message and then somebody would respond back to the message. It was kind of like a chat room, you know, and people would post stuff and it was it was kind of like a bulletin board where you see in a you know in a hallway at a school or something like that. Somebody posts a message and then someone would post response back and stuff. I remember at the time I was like, wow, this is this is awesome. This is really cool. These are people that are talking to one another about whatever you want. So yeah, yeah that was that was the dawn of social media. This is before the WW website and stuff all came along. Website. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But but uh, the web board is is a good analogy to it. Um, but people weren't on all the time like they are now. So mm-hmm. you know the main the, the thing was that you could you could post a message and you didn't expect to hear back from them for at least a day. You know. Yeah. Um, or I remember sending an email to my friend in Norway. Um, you know, and back then a computer had to call a computer at night because back then long distance charges still applied. And then another computer would call the next computer 50 miles away during the low, during the low, uh, during the, the time of night when the, when the rates were lowest, uh, et cetera. So I would send an email to my friend in Norway. He would get it two to three days later, and then he would send me a reply, and I would get it two to three later. And we thought that was amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was, I was right there with you. I know what you're talking about. Me too. It was nuts. We were like, Wow. We just like traded mail in like six days. It would have taken ten weeks to get it, Mike. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, we, we just sent postage. Um, so, anyways, altered reality yeah. games. Yeah. So, I, back then, I was very steeped in the Burroughs Geisen Third Mind stuff, and um, I was reading a lot of uh, uh, Umberto Eco's theory on the future of the book, and and I was looking at all this stuff, and I was realizing that this platform, which you know became the internet. Um, was this medium that could be used for storytelling. And um, I was writing newspaper and magazine articles at the time, but I don't think I'd written a book yet. Actually, I did, but I burned it. Um, <laughs> and I did. I wrote a novel, and I burned it. Um, wow. And uh, I started thinking about, you know, with, with uh, the advent of the Internet. It started before uh, the web. And with the uh, the easy and, and relatively inexpensive uh, access to, to the Xerox machine, um, all these things were were available to you. 
Um, and then kind of the zine culture started happening and the bail art culture started happening, which I was heavily involved in. Um, and then I started playing these uh, games uh, that were kind of LARPs, but not LARPs. It was through a company in Arizona called Flying Buffalo. And you could I know who they were. For, They're still around. Yeah you, yeah, you could sign up for a game and start playing it by mail. Yeah. Right? Play by mail. Um, and I was hanging out with Robert Anton Wilson at the time, and um, I was started designing LARP-type games for him that we were running at the Esalen Institute where people would pay to come in for a weekend, and Bob would do a lecture, and then during between like these four lectures or whatever that you would get during this weekend, I would run a LARP. And, um, and the LARP would go on, you know, during the lecture, like, it was like the whole time you were there, you were in this immersive reality that, that I had done with, with Bob's help. I mean, he kind of gave me guidance on what he wanted to be done, but I was the designer and the runner of the person that would do these immersive LARPs at Esalen with these people. Um, and I started to really think, like, I like to run stories on film like this, and, and you can still follow the basic three-act structure of a novel but for me, it's much more compelling to be sitting at the dinner table with five characters from this story than to be reading about them on a page. Yeah. Um, so I started it's like really... where it came from. Steve yeah, Jackson Games but... also did it with their version of the Illuminati, and then there was one called the Assassination Game where you were given a target. I, on... I was a big Steve Jackson player, too. Mm-hmm. So, um, I have yeah, a copy so of I'm... Car Wars sitting right here. <laughs> So you, so you know exactly where I'm coming from. Yeah. So I'm looking at all this and I'm starting to think like, wouldn't it be cool if instead of just a book, and, and I called it at the time, I called it the living book process. Yep. Um, you could step into the book. So there would be, there would be some sort of uh, a fetish object like a book that would get it started um, or, or mail art or something that would get it started so you have a thing to hold and it kind of gives you a, a psychological grounding and a centering point to, to shoot out from. And then from there, you know, there's a phone number in the story that you read, and if you actually dialed the phone number, um, there would be a voicemail tree and, and all this stuff. So I started designing these things. Um, and then in 88, um, the onset information started to go out via mail art, um, and then Peter Wilson, a.k.a. Hawking Bay, published uh, part one, in a magazine called Edge Detector, I published a part in the early Boing Boing print zine, which it used to be a print zine a long time ago. Um, I don't know if people know that. And um, then I started publishing stuff on the Well, uh, the Gopher site, and then I started putting it up on FTP sites. Um, at the time, I, I was working with Skinny Puppy and Psychic TV on doing their FTP stuff. For... Wait a minute. You worked with Skinny Puppy and, and Psychic TV? Yeah. Is that what you just said? Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything you haven't done? Uh, um, I don't know. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I actually I actually got Genesis PRH's first internet account um, with the well. Um, and then we started, we had this private conference, and then we started, Jen was working with Skinny Puppy at the time on uh, this, this project called The Process, which eventually years later became an album, but it was a bigger, yeah. it was a bigger media project. At the time, it was going to be video books and like all this stuff that was going to happen, and then the band imploded, um, you know, and then it never happened. But um, I think the recordings from that those sessions is what eventually was became the album, the process, which came out many years later. Yeah, um, I, I have yeah. that album. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the one with it the uh, many... building with the billboard on the top of it. 
Yeah, so that was many, many, many years later. Uh, this was 1993 by then, and I was publishing stuff through the well and putting stuff in Boing Boing and, and putting stuff on every FTP site that would, you know, not kick me out the door. And every bulletin board system you can think of, I was posting this stuff. And um, by 1999, I built up enough of a backstory, and uh, Dimitri from Deoxy.org, he contacted me, and he put it on Deoxy during the early days of 95, I think he put it up. Um, so there was enough of a backstory and a legend there so that I put out the interactive ebook in 99, which had all these links and clues and phone numbers and all that kind of stuff. So people started playing the game. Um, and then the game ran to 2001. So I just got tired of milking the arc. And like I said, by, you know, by then, um, it's only before 9-11, um, by then, I, you know, the, the, the forum that we were running had been overrun with conspiracy trolls and it was just unusable. And I, and I just did, those not the people I was trying to talk to. Um, I was trying to talk to more of the Robert Anton Wilson crowd and the gamer crowd, you know, which were kind of the same at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they were. And, yeah. And, um, and, and then all this David Icke and all that kind of shit started showing up and, and you know, it made, it made it unpleasant. So I, I stopped doing it. Um, and about that time we were doing cheater and uh, I was contacted by Electronic Arts, um, and they told me that they were doing this thing called Majestic, um, and they wanted me on the beta team, and so I was on the beta team for Majestic, and my job was to run it in the closed beta and actually write some story arcs for them, which ended up not getting used because the game got closed before it ever concluded, before the arc concluded. Um, but I was, you know, testing the game and giving them feedback and giving them uh um, you know, ideas and, you know, maybe use this technology here and maybe, you know, uh, and, and, and that game did launch. Um, unfortunately, it got stopped cold by 9-11 because um, people just, you know, everybody Panic got somber down. after 9-11, yeah. <clears throat> and, and we had, we did have some terrorist bombings in the story arc that were about to come up just after 9-11, so you know, got cold feet and they pulled the plug. Um, mm. And there was a guy who I met while I was doing that, and it was Dave Sabolsky. And he did some stuff that I thought was very interesting. So we started collaborating. And then, um, I want to say 2002, somewhere around there, um, that's when Steven Spielberg came out with uh, the, the movie that Stanley Kubrick was supposed to make, which was AI. Mm-hmm. And some of the people working with him did something very similar to what I had done with on cat and, and, uh, it was called the beast. Um, and it was a uh, kind of a marketing gimmick side project that went along with the AI movie. And that's somewhere right around there is when somebody applied the term alternate reality game, ARG to that process. Um, and that's when it started to be called that. That's not anything I ever wanted to call it. Um, I mean, I'm not, you know, pissing and moaning. I'm just saying that, yeah. you know, it, it wasn't, wasn't my idea. And um, and then and then it got really popular as a marketing gimmick. Um, so every movie that had even a tinge of sci-fi flavor to it had to have an ARG, and all of a sudden it was the the hot new thing in Hollywood. And and that eventually morphed into now what's called transmedia. Um, same thing. Um, but you know, it's basically become a marketing gimmick. Um, they're only now 
as it circled back around to what I wanted it to be originally, which was a new medium of writing and telling stories. And it went through this iteration for a while where it was just really, you know, Hollywood marketing gimmicks. Yeah, Abrams was um, the one that really capitalized on that. That started, yeah, started yeah, doing that with yeah. Cloverfield. Yeah, yeah. Um, which was, you know, frustrating for me to watch. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> no. <laughs> it was. It really was. Um, it was frustrating but, for a lot of people to watch. And now, well, there was a thing with Slusho, and you had a website you could go to, and it was for like a, like some Japanese company or something like that. It was all this weird stuff chained together, and it it's become more or less now what's known as viral marketing. Yeah, viral marketing or transmedia. Um, yeah. But, but You're the, like, it's painful. Let's not talk about it. Moving on. <laughs> but, but, what, but what I am seeing now, only now in the last two years, mostly in the last year, um, is independent uh, artists starting to look at it as a, a as a viable means of, of using it as a storytelling platform? Which is, hey, it only took twenty years to come back around. But <laughs> but that is, but that is, you know, I think I think there's something real uh, powerful that can be done with this kind of storytelling stuff. I mean, it, you know, you're getting people off the couch and you're getting them out into the street and you're getting them geocaching and you're getting them augmented reality and you're, you're getting them thinking and puzzle solving. You're getting them doing all this stuff and actually, you know, interacting with story characters and immersing themselves. And it's becoming more, it's going back to where, you know, I started it with, which was coming out of a background of comparative religion and mythology and this whole thing about, you know, uh, rites of passage and, you know, these things that you actually do, um, where you put on masks and you play the gods, you know, and these kind of things. And, and it's coming back to that. So I'm happy to say that it is coming back to that because a lot of independent artists are looking at it and saying, well, this is a really cool thing. Why aren't we using it for storytelling? Why are we just using it for marketing? And, and that's, yeah, maybe, maybe the marketing phase of it was to, to get it large enough so that people would have exposure to it. I, I don't know. But hmm. I'm trying to look at it positively. Um, but yeah, it was like watching your kid get beat down in the street. You know, it's like, oh, not marketing, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on to uh, what you're doing nowadays, which is the remnants thing. Which, um, quite frankly, I both hate and love it at the same time. Um, <laughs> wow. wow! I could spend wow. all day long on remnants. Remnants, okay. It's, it's basically an online flip magazine and everybody who has recently bought any kind of a galaxy phone has it on your phone. It's an app called Flipboard. Uh -huh. And I didn't know what the hell to do with it. I didn't want it. I thought it was bloatware. I can't, okay. I can't get this off my phone. What am I going to do about it? And then remnants came along and now I have a use for this wonderful <laughs> little app. <laughs> Is it um, an app or a widget? I, I think it's an app, but it can be used app, as a yeah. widget. Um, yeah. That's what you're doing now, and it's you, uh, Joe Nolan, who we're going to be having on the show soon, and David oh, Metcalf. Cool. Yeah, we've yeah. been trying to get Joe on here for the longest time. Joe, if you're out there hearing it, I, I tell him every single week, we're going to have you on, we're going to have you on. Come on, bro, what's up? So, the, well, I'll go into it later. The problem is, what, <laughs> what are we going to discuss with Joe? It's where do we start? Um, so, what is Remnants? You should, have, what, you, uh, you, should, you should have David on, too. I don't know David to get him on. I, I would love yeah, to. Yeah, well, you, you know me, so you know David. Um, okay. Wow, David, that was easy. You know, yeah, you like that? 
Um, <laughs> awesome. David, David uh, does a lot of stuff over at Reality Sandwich, and uh, you should. Uh, he's an amazingly smart. Well, we had um, Gabriel Roberts on too, and he's involved with Reality Sandwich as well. Yeah, David. David's a very articulate guy, and uh, one of the things that I mean, he knows a lot about a lot of stuff. But one of the things that he knows impressive amounts of, of information on is the uh, Santa Morte, the whole the, the whole cult that's going on in Mexico. Uh huh. Um, oh, really? really? We want to cover oh, that. Yeah. I believe. Yeah, he's 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 like the guy to talk to about that. So, yes, that that is a done yeah. deal then. <laughs> See, I told you it's all in who you know. Yeah, that is a done deal then. Well, tell us about remnants though. What is what it what is remnants and what it because you can get it on there through the I'm on the I'm on the website right now through Google Chrome. <clears throat> Excuse me, Google Chrome. Um, yeah, you can you can read it in your browser. Um, you can read it uh, in the phone app. Um, remnants is basically a curated what we call a curated magazine that we do. Um, Sometimes we write our own stuff and we flip our own stuff in there, but a lot of times it's stuff that we find around the Internet. And it's basically, if you remember Incunabula.org, before I just pushed it to my own site and put all the Incunabula stuff there, um, I was running articles on Incunabula.org all the time, and it was all this interesting stuff I was finding while cruising around the web. And I decided that um, Incunabula.org should really just be about the on-site material, and my website is pretty much that, so... I kind of integrated the two um, and then came up with the remnants idea and then asked Joe and David if they wanted to collaborate with me on it. Um, and basically the reason we call it remnants is because it's stuff that the three of us run across while doing our daily crawl on the internet. Um, mm-hmm. We're both, all three of us are voracious readers. Um, we, we read the news cycles, but we each have our own kind of slant on it. If you'll notice, you'll notice that David's stuff is always, you know, um, very esoteric and Gnostic. Um, my stuff is usually about, you know, death, destruction, and pandemonium, because that's what I'm into. Um, and then Joe's stuff is, is a lot of music stuff and, um, you know, the, the kind of stuff that he likes. And I thought it would make a good balance for the three of us to be throwing stuff in there. And I came up with the, the name Remnants. It's like the remnants of our, of our daily web call. <laughs> yeah, it's spelled like kind of funny. strange too. If somebody were to do a Google search, would they would they be able to find it? Maybe not, and that's fine because um, we're not trying to we're not trying to build, you know, the the next reality sandwich or the next thesimpo dot com. Um, basically, it's people from my circle, people from Joe's circle, people from David's circle know about it, and they tell their friends, and so it's it, it's kind of a viral thing, but it's a controlled viral thing. Um, it's not a magazine for everybody, um, cause it definitely has its flavor. Um, and, and in reality, you know, what you're doing is you're, you're getting a window into what I've read for the day and liked and what David has read for the day and liked and what Joe has read for the day and liked. I could Where spend, am I finding this? I will, I'm going to put a link in the show. Well, you can find it through, um, I'm on Flipboard right now. Where do I find it? Here, I will send you. <laughs> we're going to do a little bit of meta show here, and I will send it to you in the uh, box here. Which boxy box? I'm over here listening to you, uh, reading the game caller, looking on Flipboard. There, I just sent you a link in the Skype window. Click onto that. Plus, I'm going to put a link to it in the show notes. I know you don't want people finding out about this, but tough shit, you're on my show, and people are going to need to read this. Oh no, so, no, no! It's, oh, not it's, I don't, it's not that I don't want them to find out about it. I'm not, but I'm, what I'm not doing is I'm not doing an SEO plan and 
trying to get, you know, in, in like doing the whole thing where let's get lots of readers. We want the readers that want to be there and they'll find us, you know. You know, that's exactly the way it. our Facebook page, our Facebook, exactly yeah. the same way. All we do is it's a news aggregator where everybody just goes and posts all these really off the wall, weird articles and strange stuff that they find all day long. And that's, exactly. you know, and we all hang out. Well, you've, you've seen our page, so, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, that's exactly, like that. that's why I like it because I, I can come up to my flipboard. I'm pissed. You just got to do a search for it. I just did. And it's not showing up. I'm yeah. pissed. Here. You got to spell it this weird. <laughs> he's got this weird way of spelling it because he's Matheny and it's here. It's, spell it like that. Oh, yeah. I know it's it's odd. It's it's an it's an Illuminati inside. You got to know the secret. Oh, it's hammer. got the brackets. Huh? Yeah, the R's got a yeah, bracket yeah. on the side. Okay, I'm over here writing yeah. remnants. Of, it's bringing up stuff about how I can sew and knit. I don't want that. No, 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 no. You got to put it in. You got to put the one bracket. Put the R. Put the other bracket. The R is right, in brackets. Yeah. So everybody out there that's listening to this right now. Um, but yeah, I could go here. I I spend easily four hours a week, five hours. I've spent I've spent all day on this site before and every once in a while, something will pop up and I'll steal it from you guys and I'll throw it up on our Facebook page. So. Oh, that's fine. I mean, I, I do notice that, um, and I won't say any names, but there's like three other websites that we know people on and I see stuff go on remnants and then I see it go up on their site like six hours later and I start laughing because I know they read, I know they read remnants and I'm like, no, oh, we're sourced. That's fine. You know? Yeah. Um, Again, again, like well, I've said, sent you stuff, I think. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And you sent me stuff. I mean, I, you know, David David uh, publishes his stuff on there sometimes. Like, he'll, he'll flip his own stuff in. I'll flip my own stuff in occasionally. Joe will flip his own stuff in occasionally. Um, but mostly it's curated from, you know, sources all over the Internet. Um, no ownership, obviously. We're just, like, doing this. And, and I thought it would be a cool idea is just, like, People that know us, that like follow my blog, follow Joe's blog, follow David, um, can kind of get a look of like, oh, this is what the, what that guy's reading today. That's interesting. Um, oh, hey, he wrote that article. And that's where he got that, you know, and stuff like that. So well, <clears throat> that's why I said it's not that I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying I don't want anybody to know what it is. Um, it's it's that I'm just not actively promoting it um, because it's not like that kind of magazine. We're not, we're not trying to be disinfo.com or reality sandwich, um, or anything like that. We're just, you know, it's, it's really an addendum for the three of us that already have web presence to let people look at the stuff that we're looking at. Because I think if somebody's interested in my website, then they might be interested in the kind of stuff that I read. Well, what's cool is you got three different people on here that are approaching it from three different aspects. You've got right. three different, absolute, completely, completely different sources of news coming together, and it all gels together pretty well. Now, were you guys hacked recently? <laughs> Did something go out on <laughs> Facebook or something along those lines or something? Well, yeah, something in in on the newsletter, which was interesting. There's this uh, this uh, I don't know person thing that uh, uh, commandeered the, the email list and the, and the Facebook page one day um, and posted all these links to this game that is running in San Francisco called Killer App, killer.app. Um, and uh, I guess they posted a link to where you can sign up to play that game, which is killerapp.launchrock.com. Um, and, and I don't endorse the game, and I, and I, and I don't not endorse it. I'm just saying that if you decide to play this game, uh, you play the terrorist. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Boy, that's a that is a ringing endorsement for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> for having shitty passwords. It was the but, best. Uh, yeah, just, 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 yeah. yeah, it's curious. I mean, you know, I, at first I was like, oh my God, we've been hacked. And then I went, oh, it's just a game. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, Let me ask you Jesus. one more question. Because this has always been... Uh, you don't have to answer this. I don't think you will answer it properly. I don't think you will. Oh no, he'll answer it properly to to his you know to his standards exactly. Yeah, are yeah, you yeah. are you associated with an anonymous, or do you know a lot of people that are involved with anonymous? Or yeah, I or... do actually. I, I you know I can I can say that because uh, I'm not giving out their names. Um, I'm making I'm leaving them anonymous. Um, but yeah, I I I do know a lot of people. Uh, from the old school of anonymous that's um, it's it definitely has gone through a change since it started because i've noticed that anonymous really isn't doing much hacking anymore unless you sufficiently really piss them off like what's going on with the whole journalism thing and the over in yeah, france and yeah. right now yeah. uh, Charlie? yes um but i i I've, I've heard you drop hints here and there over over the years and stuff about your you know your workings with anonymous but I've never wanted to come right out and say that because who does? It's kind of like saying, "So, are you a spy? You know, <laughs> are you a well, spy?" There's, there's, there's um, a couple of things I'll, I'll address to that. First of all, as you, as you know, but you know, since we're on a, a show, I'll probably just have to say this: there's no such thing as being a member of Anonymous. Correct. Um, there is no group called Anonymous per se. It's a movement. Um, there is definitely an old guard and a and an, I don't know what what you would call it since the Sabu thing went down um there was a lot of heavy hitters that uh went to jail or or dropped out you know or went underground deep um when the fbi decided that uh, the anonymous movement was a public enemy that they were going to go after and and of course there was infiltration um and we all know this that, that you know i mean that's public record that there were people that were that infiltrated the movement um, under the guise of being uh, in solidarity with the movement only to, you know, flush out and identify people and, and flip the nuts and do the, you know, the whole thing. Um, so that's made people wary. Um, it made some people just leave. Um, and then it's made other people go periscope down, which doesn't mean they're not still doing stuff. It just means that they're, doing different stuff and they and they definitely learned the lesson of taking credit for things is not necessarily always a good idea. <laughs> yes, yeah, right. Um, I mean I, I get the I get the I get the propaganda effect of that, you know, and, and, and that did work for a while where anonymous was this thing that corporations and and governments actually feared. And and I think that was the effect that, that was uh I think that was the effect that we, we no, that they were going after. That's a better way to say it. Um, but I also think that eventually that that does blow up in your face because anything that becomes anything, and, and, and you know, uh, Occupy, I can include in this, which I was very involved in, it, you know, if, if you are making any kind of waves, you are going to get the attention of the authorities and, and the powers that be, and when you do that, you're going to get infiltrated. I mean, that goes all the way back to the 60s with CoinTelPro. Um, I read some crazy statistic uh, not too long ago that, that said that at one point, 
up to 60% of the people that were in subversive organizations in the 60s were co-pedophile people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it turns into a big circle jerk, but, um, you know, and, and that's where the, the concept of the temporary autonomous zone comes in, um, you know, and, and personal problems with Hawking Bay aside, you know, as what he is and what he stands for as a person, as a writer and as a theorist, um, I think that the, the concept of the temporary autonomous zone is brilliant. Um, and I think people keep forgetting about that. It's like, you need to have these pop-up things that you do, and then you need to be able to pop them down and walk away and do something else, because if you are having any effect at all, then they're going to start sending, you know, the moles. Yeah. Sending the moles. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, in a lot of ways, you can look at that as, a, as, as an achievement, as a, as a sign of success, that if you've rattled their cage enough that they want to mow you, you've rattled their cage. Um, and we'll just, yeah, we can just leave it at that. But the, um, do I, do I actively do ops these days? No. Um, mostly because, uh, I, I got very disappointed and very tired of all the infighting that was going on and all the Twitter wars <laughs> that were going on, um, inside of, you know, this, uh, anonymous group that was calling itself anonymous or standing for anonymous or whatever, whatever, however you want to term it. Um, you know, there was all this like little infighting shit going on and people were swatting each other and doxing each other. And, and I'm like, well, you know, they've already won. If we're all just, if we're all just going to sit here and fight each other, they've already won. Yeah. That's the thing you know? though. I mean, you don't know if somebody's it's, if somebody's infiltrated it just to begin fighting like that, you know, it's it's anytime you have an organization that doesn't quote unquote have a head to it or some kind of organization to the organization, that leaves yeah. room for people to come in and disrupt the organization. So which I think, which I think has been done, and yeah. and then also as you know, um, if, if it's on the internet, eventually it goes it, it goes 4chan, one way or another. I mean, yeah. you know, not came out of 4chan. Um, <clears throat> People forget about that, but Chenology, that's where it all came from. And, uh, and, and the, the fight against Scientology. The, um, and, the, and the thing you have to remember, and then again, I point back to the temporary autonomous zone, is these kind of uprisings um, almost have a natural shelf life uh, of being effective. And then when the effectiveness wears off and then it becomes a movement, um, then you get all the script kitties and the trolls and all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I just, uh, I, I just don't care about that. You know, um, I don't think as a force, um, anonymous is anywhere near as effective as it was five years ago. And, um, do I want to waste my time on that? No. Um, and, and, you know, I, I just, I was refereeing too many stupid fights, you know, and and it's like watching all this go on, and I'm like, well, yeah, about half of this is probably instigators, and, and the other half is just people being dumbass people, you know? Yeah. So you don't necessarily, and, and then, of course, then when the rumor goes out that, you know, there, there are possibly instigators, that everybody's looking at everybody cross-eyed. You know, yeah. And, and, you know, I even said it at an informal group meeting one time, I said, here's the thing, guys, whether we're infiltrated or not doesn't matter. All the FBI has to do is put the rumor out that we are, and we're done. Yeah. Because we'll do each other at that point. Yeah. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you kind of have to use terrorist tactics at that point. 
So yeah, yeah, you have to be, you have to think like a gorilla, which is not to not to do the trips and settle down and and have the same thing that you do over and over and over again. You know, um, you come in, you do something in a temporary way that has a large effect, mostly because if you're using guerrilla tactics, uh, you have the element of surprise on your side. Because, uh-huh. you know, essentially what Anonymous was doing um, was using guerrilla tactics, which it was a small group of people having a large effect on a large on large organizations because the larger organizations didn't see you coming. And, that's, and now they kind of do, you know. So there's other things, you know, and, and, and again to... The Ping Hocking Bay's ideas. Um, he even talked about the Tong aspect of uh, doing things deep underground and not doing it too long, and uh, and having a very secretive methodology about what you're doing and, and who you do it with and how long you do it. Um, because I think you've seen this, and I've seen this over the years. Um, I used to be more naive to think that you could get a meme going into the media and it would have some sort of uh, long-lasting changing effect on how people thought about things and how people did things. And, and the truth is when the media gets their hands on it, it's over. Yeah. By that point, it's because it becomes a flavor of the week and it becomes yeah. exploited and it does, it does so to gain ratings or what have you. Um, yeah. Occupy, you know, wall street is the, in my lifetime is the best example. I can go to that. Um, yeah. You know, another one in the opposite direction is the Tea Party. You right. know, what the Tea Party is now is much different than what the Tea Party was when it got started because all of these things get co-opted um, and bent. Well, yeah, for, I, I for remember when the Tea Party first kind of showed up, I was like, oh, a constitutionalist movement. That's kind of cool. And yeah, then, except it's and then I'm seeing people like, yeah, and then, well, then you see people like Sarah Palin jumping on board and then it was over. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, because they didn't have any real centralized organization and it left the door open for people to come in and do that kind of stuff. But to have some kind of organization and centralized organization is almost counterintuitive of what you're trying to do. You yeah. know, it's so you can only have these things. You can have these hot spots grow to a certain point, And then after that, you have to let them burn out and hope that something else will form from the ashes into another thing and just try to move the whole movement as a whole and, you know, in a different directions. But that's just the way that those things kind of go. Cause I remember when uh, Occupy Wall Street started, it, it was all these different things. And because it was all these different things and the media would get in there and they would, uh, you know, they would interview the most stupid people there to make it look <laughs> like a dumb thing or people would infiltrate it. You know, there's, there was all kinds of things with it. So well, it, it did get infiltrated, but also the media, like I said, when the media gets their hands on it, it's over. The media um, was asking the wrong questions to the wrong people on purpose. Exactly. Yes. Um, because I had conversations with journalists off the record, because um, I was very, very involved in Occupy Los Angeles and Occupy San Francisco, and um, I had conversations with them, and, and you know they would say, "Well, you know, what is it you guys are? What is it you stand for?" Like because they wanted like a unified bumper sticker statement. Exactly. Yes. Bumper sticker. And, and, I, and, and <laughs> when I explained it to them the way I explained it to them, they got it. Well, of course, I never heard them say it on the news, but but I said. Honestly, what you're looking at here is a bunch of people frustrated about a laundry list that is so long that you can't stand in front of City Hall and read it off. Yeah, that's right. really what it was. Yeah, which in turn gets warped yeah. to be what a bunch of crazy hippie liberals. <laughs> yeah, and everybody lost sight of the fact that it started over one did start over one central issue, and then as happens with these things, 
all these other people glommed their issues onto it, which, you know, was cool that, like I said, there was a laundry list. It was like, we're just tired of the shit, <laughs> you know? And then if you wanted to sit for an hour and listen to somebody read the scroll, you know, there was the laundry list that you could read off. But, but essentially, everybody lost sight pretty quickly yeah. over the fact that it was about the fact that a bunch of investment bankers bankrupted the company and they got bailed out with our tax money. Yeah, that's I, really I, I, essentially that's, yeah. what it was about. And yep. it wasn't a month before people forgot that that's what it was about. Yeah. Well, you <laughs> see it happen on social way. media, too. I mean, it's once it hits social media, it's like, all right, I, I can't pay attention to this anymore. <laughs> it's uh, Yeah, you know, I mean, social media was uh, uh, actually very effective in, um, in the uh, organization part uh, of the activism. Um, but again, you started to see it getting infiltrated pretty quickly. I mean, I was at one Occupy, uh, the Occupy meeting in San Francisco, and I uh, was standing there with a couple of my friends, and we had our guy Fox on. And um, these four guys walked up with black hoodies and guy Fox masks, and they were like, yeah, man, let's black box this motherfucker. Let's get some shit going on. Let's, let's you know. And I looked at them, and, I, and each one of them was wearing the exact same brand, brand new out of the bag hoodie, the exact same boots, polished, you know, and I'm like looking at those guys in the same pants and I'm looking at these guys and I'm like, wow, you guys all shop at the same place, man. Where do you get that stuff? It's pretty cool. And they got all nervous and they ran away. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I would have been that funny about it if it were me. I would have made a bigger deal about it, but I don't know. Yeah, I just, you know, I I did make a big deal about it, but I wanted to kind of embarrass them, you know, so I wanted them to I wanted to comedically let them know that they were fucking obvious. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> they were. It was just like, it was like something out of a comedy movie. You know, it's like, oh, it's the Reno 911 squad undercover. All right, Joe. Well, we're going to let you go, man. We've had you on here for over two hours now. Or right oh, wow. It's been that long. Yeah, it's been a while. So yeah, uh, I can't believe awesome. you haven't let us go yet because your ears probably falling off at this point. So because last time we talked. Oh, no, I, I, I love talking to you guys, man. It's like you're my favorite podcast to be on because it's got all this pretentious stuff where I have to watch my ass and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're about you know we're about the uh, dissemination of knowledge and stuff, and you're full of it. So that didn't come out right at all. <laughs> yes, you're right. I am full of it. <laughs> oh Jesus! Uh, you know, I mean, I could I could seriously talk to you for hours and hours on end just because of the amount of stories you got. You know. Um, but anyways, thank you very much for coming out. I was glad to get back in touch with you again and find you again and be able to set this up and be able to talk about all this stuff. Because when I was sitting down getting ready to talk to you, I'm like, where do I even start with the stuff that I want to talk about? Where where do we even begin? You know, because there's... Beginning, of course. Yeah, but that's the problem. There's so much. Yeah. So, you know. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I talk to you regularly on Facebook and stuff and social media all the time. So you're never too far of a distance away. Um, but the door is always open. If you ever want to come on here and talk yeah, again... So- you don't need no. a you don't need a special invitation anymore, man. Yeah, it's oh cool, thank you, I appreciate that. So if you got something going on, just just smack me and say, hey, I want to come on and talk about this, and okay, we'll set up a date. So because I also want to talk to you 
about uh, the whole, which we're not going to do about now, obviously, but I, I really want to talk to you about the whole Sony hack thing and the issues of internet security nowadays and uh, the whole uh, PlayStation network going down and the Xbox network going down. All of that stuff's going on as well. And I tend to wonder what's actually happening in those areas as opposed to what's being reported about it. But that'll be a conversation for another time. So. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of stuff happening in those areas, but I, but you know, obviously, um, this is a longer conversation for another time. But uh, if you see, if you kind of look at the media and and look at the highlights of the media and what's being said and what pops up in, in the last couple of weeks, especially, um, I do feel like we're being primed for. A, a Western Christian, although it wouldn't admit that it's Christian, it is primarily Christian uh, versus Eastern Islamic conflict that's coming. Even that with surprise me, even with the Sony hack, with the whole Korea thing. Yeah, because uh, Korea is not what you would call an Islamic country, but it's definitely not what you would call a Western country. Yeah. Um, so there is this West versus East shit that's like going down. Mm-hmm. And and of course, obviously the you know the Islamic jihadists and all that kind of stuff is getting played into that. But but there is like this this binary culture clash that seems to be forming itself up, um, where it's like the old guard, you know, because the West is the the kind of the, the mighty mm-hmm. West has been running things for a long time. Um, and I think there's an awful lot of people that are not whitey Westerners that are not cool with that, and they're finally in a position where they don't have to be cool with it. So it's going to be do you think the it's whole Cuba thing ties into that? The whole thing with going on with Cuba and us, you know, coming to amends yeah. with Cuba? Yeah, I think I think uh, the Cuba thing plays into it. I think us versus Russia plays into it because Russia, Russia might be on the European continent per se, but they're definitely not Western in in, in their uh, cosmology. They're they're definitely Easterners. Um, they they definitely would be uh, more self-identified with the Asiatic side of things than with the with the Western European side of things. Um, huh. So yeah, so there's like this, there's this line that's getting drawn that, that I keep looking at, and I, you know, I don't have a dog in the fight because I'm just a, you know, uh, an inhabitant of planet Earth, planet Earth, and I don't have a nation as far as I'm concerned. Um, but I'm just looking at this and going, yeah, this is this is kind of forming itself, but the media is helping form it, you know, and informing it. And I'm not saying it's a conspiracy that's being, you know, like the Illuminati is behind the scenes, like manipulating all this. I think it's kind of a natural progression of, of, like I said, a lot of people who were left out of the, the, the prosperity of you know, the United States and, and Europe and, and Britain, basically, uh, running the show for so long, and the rest, everybody else was left to suck on kit. And now, the, and this is what, you know, and then now, and now the roosters are coming home to roost, you know, and they're like, hey, motherfuckers, you know, we're China, we got all the money, and hey, motherfuckers, we're the Middle East, we got all the oil, fuck you, you know, and, and they can say it now, you yeah. know, and it, yeah, and right. it means something, hmm. and it means something. So, yeah, I mean, you know, we're, the, we're in the decline of the Roman Empire, boys. Thanks. Wow. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Joe, well, I'm going to let you go, probably go slit my wrist now, so uh, thanks for wow. coming on the show. <laughs> have some soda and think about it. I'm going to go look for a time machine so I can head off to <laughs> another time. I have parts to help you build one. No kidding. <laughs> but uh, again, Joe, yeah, thank you very much. I'm going to I'm gonna let you go, but don't hang up. Okay, cool. And uh, you take care, man. Thanks a lot for coming yeah, back on the yeah. show. Thanks, yeah, thanks for having me on, man, anytime.
That was the much-anticipated return of Joseph Matheny. So damn glad I was able to get back in touch with that guy. <laughs> Absolutely. And have him back on the show again. The sad thing is, as I was just telling you off the air, there's so much other stuff that I wanted to talk to him about that we just didn't get to. I mean, that the stories he's got and the things he's been involved with, that's it just amazing. Yeah, he's got a huge knowledge base, and he's really cool and really friendly. And uh, I'm a huge fanboy of the guy, and I think he knows it. (laughs) But I'm not embarrassed about it. It's not like, oh, I really like what you do. You know, it's not (laughs) – it's not one of those kind of things. I, I, you know, I appreciate the knowledge that he has and he knows that I appreciate it. It's not like one of those things where, you know, like a kid's like fawning over Justin Bieber or something. Like that. <laughs> Why so, did you use Justin Bieber, man? That's horrible. I don't know. It's a reference or something. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know. But, um, so yeah, I mean, when I found out he was John Teeter, cause I've been following that story for years and stuff mm-hmm. that I was like, no, we got to do this. But it turns out he actually wasn't John Teeter. He was part of John Teeter. He was part of the quad that was yeah, John Teeter. Part of the core, the quad that was John Teeter. Um, so yeah, I mean, that was, it's a pleasure talking again. How long did we talk to him off the air for another half oh, hour? Oh God. Yeah. Easily another so, half hour. The only thing that sucks is he was. We had to do the phone conversation, which last time we did it, but he was walking through the woods out in the middle of the California yeah. wilderness. <laughs> so this time he's just hanging out at a street at a buddy's house, smoking cigarettes, standing around outside talking to us. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, you got Skype? Yeah, but I got no internet access here. I'm like, oh shit, okay, okay, we'll make this work. So the dude's uh, on point. I mean, I love talking to the guy. Yeah, really do. Yeah. The, the whole internet thing with the hacking and stuff that's going on and stuff, that was – that's a whole era of topic that I want to get into conversation with him too because uh-huh. uh, he, he was a pioneer for a lot of that stuff. He was there at the beginning of it. Absolutely. I mean, the guy's resume is incredibly extensive. Plus he's a time traveler. Yes, he is a time traveler. <laughs> um <laughs> That's just great. I wonder if I got that whole Alex Jones rant recorded by accident. I don't know. That would be hilarious. Yeah, it was off the air. <laughs> Um, all right, folks. Well, we're going to let you go. My my throat's about shot because we've been talking for a couple hours. Um, I actually let you go because I had to go pick my daughter up. Turns out she was already home. Yeah, so jump back on again to uh, to finish it up. Um, big thanks to Lisa for getting me the banana T-shirt for Christmas. The Mead Alcohol Brewing Show is coming. I have spoken with Paul from PA Brews News. Uh, we're yeah. setting up. Uh, a, a date and a time to sit and record that show because everybody's been responding to my brewery stuff, brewery. which is strange. But if uh, you guys really want... <laughs> strange, think about I, who we're talking about, dude. We don't talk about stuff like the house beer made. Okay, well, you know, doesn't matter. There's people that follow everything that do yeah. everything. But um, I'm going to be appearing on Jeremy Vaney's show next week. Well, I'm recording it with him next week. Um, the gist of it is, is I had a UFO experience um, back on December 3rd at 2.30 a.m. in the morning in Clarkston, Michigan. Um, eventually, I might talk about it on this show. I've been dropping hints to it here and there. I don't entirely know what it was, um, but I'm going to talk about it on his show. When that show goes live, I'll post it up there because I just don't feel comfortable talking about it here because we host a show that kind of deals with that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it feels funny for me to talk about that on this show. I know that sounds weird. Let me talk about it with some other people someplace else, and maybe I'll bring it up here eventually. Not really weird. Well, there was only two people that I spoke. I spoke to you 
the following morning, I think it was, mm-hmm. and then that night I spoke to Paul right after it happened. I didn't get abducted. I didn't have any time dilation because I was paying very close attention. When it happened, I was taking everything into account as it was happening because we've covered so many reports on, you know what, I will talk about it here, but not right now. No. Um, not right now. <laughs> it's just too much of a story. I'll yeah. talk about it there and then I'll come back and talk about it here. When will then be now? Um, well, pulling out my trusty time machine, Ooh. how soon is now? Right uh, now. <laughs> when did but we I, miss it? Then. When yeah. was then now? I was when already will there. Now be now? <laughs> I was there. It sucked. <laughs> but it hasn't happened yet. But it will. And when it does, it will suck. Uh, but anyways, yeah, I talked to you and I talked to you the next morning. And I think I was talking like 90 miles an hour because oh, I, yeah. I had only slept for like two hours. And you just laughed at me. You were cool about it. Um. Paul rattled a couple of things off and then started mm-hmm. talking to me about selling his car. And at the yep. time I was like, I have to go because my boss is calling me, which my boss was. But, um, yeah, don't, I mean, if you people want to hear it, I'll, I'll tell the story. I've, I've told it a couple of times. I'm going to tell it over on Jeremy's show and then I'll come back and talk to you about it. Talk to you guys about it here. But, um, I think that's it. I can't think of anything else to say right now. So I know there's probably more, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that's it. Uh, welcome to 2015. Thank you, Joe, for coming on to the show. And uh, you got anything else you want to say or anything like that? No? Yes, maybe? Uh, I don't think so. Nothing? All right. Well, this is Ro. Peace out from Detroit. This is Lobo from Connecticut, and we had snow. Oh, so did we. <laughs> yeah, you actually got more than me. Winter is here. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, no, you know what? I'm going to leave that one alone. I'm going to yeah. leave it alone. We still know how to drive better out here in uh, Connecticut. Yeah. All right, folks. Peace out. Peace.
Oh. Listen to that guy makes you want to beat a motherfucker with a motherfucker. So this I mean, guy, who was once part of this alternate reality games, who supposedly says it's a time traveler, now wants to light me on fire and send me down a hill. <laughs> trying to save your life, idiots. Why don't you shut up and listen to me? That was good, man. That was good. <laughs> yeah, Rose, Rose been practicing. Oh, we, we can't stand the guy. Oh, we God. can't stand the guy. You know, you can interject too, so that's cool. Yeah. Uh, He's just being a dick about it. It's one of those things he holds over my head. <laughs> Come on. You're being a dick. Uh, 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 all right. Uh, uh, all right. <laughs> well, you know, you, you know, I, I have. All right. All right. I got to get this recording here. <laughs> this is why you come on our show. I'm seriously don't come on your show, man. You don't know. I can't believe you don't know. I don't know. Bro. I don't wow, know. That's, it was huge. Uh, but you will. You will. Yeah, you know. will. And you're going to be like, oh my God, why didn't we cover this?